John chapter 12, verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life, loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Psalm 119 says this, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Father God, this morning we pray that we would be struck afresh by how sweet and rich your words are. Help us to treasure them, to listen to them, and to put them into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, sometimes uh, my wife gets in from work and uh, I say to her, would you like a cup of tea, dear? And uh, she says, please, no more decisions. Uh, Because she's in a job where she spends her whole day uh, making important decisions about people's healthcare. And uh, she reaches a point where even the decision of whether to have a cup of tea or not is uh, is a bit much. Now, how does someone uh, in healthcare make decisions? Uh, Do they think, uh, how can I get this person out of the room as quickly as possible? Uh, Or how can I make as much money from this person as possible? Or uh, how can I run some interesting tests on this person? Uh, Well, you'd hope not. You'd hope that uh, their priority as they make decisions is uh, the good of the person's health, the patient's health in front of them. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, How do we make decisions as Christians? What should be our priority as we make decisions And there are some decisions uh, which should be easy as Christians, aren't there? Uh, Like uh, if we're going into careers, then uh, a career in gambling uh, or uh, being a thief or prostitution is off the cards uh, because the Bible speaks directly uh, on those things, doesn't it? Uh, But that does leave quite a wide range of other options. So uh, imagine Steve in our church family. Uh, He works in a small accounting firm uh, up on the West Road, and uh, he's offered a job uh, in another firm uh, up in Edinburgh. Uh, It's a significant increase in salary, uh, it's a more challenging role, and uh, he'd have to move his uh, family up to Edinburgh. And uh, the question is, should he take that job or not? Well, obviously, Ephesians 7 verse 3 says, Brothers and sisters, always choose Scotland when you have the chance. Actually, now I think Ken might have added that into my sermon. Um, no, there isn't a direct biblical command on that, is there? So how do we decide in those sort of situations? 
Uh, what about Lois? Uh, Lois uh, in our congregation, who, uh, whose work colleagues uh, invite her uh, to a big booze up. Uh, they say, our main aim is to get totally wasted. It's been a really difficult week at work. And Lois's Christian friend says to her, uh, God says not to get drunk. Uh, so if that's their aim, uh, you shouldn't go, even if uh, you're not going to be tempted to get drunk yourself. Uh, now, Lois's friend is right. Uh, the Bible does say uh, not to get drunk. Uh, that might be new to you uh, if you're here this morning. Uh, but it's not because God's a killjoy. Uh, it's because we're out of control when we're drunk. And it easily leads to us uh, dishonoring God's. Uh, but it's fine to have a drink. Uh, and in this situation, uh, Lois knows that she won't get drunk. Uh, she rarely gets a chance to hang out with her colleagues. Um, and she'd like to get to know them better. Uh, so should she go along that evening? Uh, now, maybe you've had to make decisions yourself uh, in the last few weeks or even in the last year uh, where it feels like it's a bit of a gray area for a Christian. Uh, the Bible doesn't speak directly on it. And how do we make those decisions? Uh, well, God does speak into those situations. He gives us uh, godly principles to apply. Uh, and that's what we see in this passage today. And the first principle is this. Uh, we do have freedom as Christians. We do have freedom as Christians. <laughs> Before we dive in, uh, let's get our bearings again in the letter. Uh, you might remember when we looked at chapter 6 a while ago, uh, that it seems that the Corinthians had this slogan, and it's there in uh, verse 23 of chapter 10. Uh, they said this, uh, all things are permissible, uh, all things are lawful in the ESV. Uh, and you can kind of understand uh, where they got it from, uh, because in Paul's teaching, he often talks about the freedom that we have as Christians. For example, uh, in his writing to the Galatians, uh, Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Uh, and what Paul meant was, uh, we're free from the chains of sin and death. Uh, and free from a lot of the Jewish laws uh, which were designed to set the Israelites apart as a nation uh, because now the gospel is going out to all nations. Uh, so for instance, we don't have to keep the food laws from the Old Testament anymore. Uh, we can eat anything as Christians. And so in verse 25, Paul goes on to give them a practical example of uh, what it looks like to exercise our freedom as a Christian. He says this, uh, imagine that you're going shopping at the meat market. Uh, back then, some of the meat in the market uh, would have come from uh, sacrifices in the temple to idols. Uh, and so Jewish people would have been really careful as they were going around the market to make sure uh, that they knew the source of the meat uh, and um, to be careful to make sure that it was kosher. Uh, but Paul says to the Corinthians, uh, you have freedom as, as Christians. Uh, you can buy any meat uh, you want from the meat market. Now, early in the letter, uh, Paul had instructed them that they shouldn't uh, eat meat in the temple uh, that had been sacrificed to idols uh, because uh, that might encourage others uh, to sacrifice to idols uh, and they shouldn't do it. Uh, but outside of that context of the temple, uh, meat is meat uh, and they can eat it w what meat they like without making a fuss. Uh, now that might not feel directly relevant to us today. I don't know last time uh, you went to the meat market and were worried about meat sacrifice to idols. Um, but uh, for some of our brothers and sisters here this morning from different cultures, that might be directly relevant. Uh, and for example, it tells us that it's okay uh, to eat halal meat as Christians. But the principle Paul is giving us here uh, is that we shouldn't overly restrict our freedom where there's no biblical command. We shouldn't overly restrict our freedom. 
Uh, so, for example, uh, some churches in South America that I visited uh, say that as Christians, uh, we shouldn't listen to any secular music, uh, which meant that you had to be very careful uh, what was on your phone or what was playing in the car uh, when some of the Christians there were with you or, or what was on your Walkman back in the day when I was there. Uh, now, there might be some music that isn't edifying as Christians and which it's best that we don't listen to. Uh, but the Bible doesn't say that we need a blanket ban on all secular music. Uh, and if we're not careful, we'll, we'll slip towards legalism. Uh, we'll try to earn our way into God's good books uh, by being sort of holier than thou. Uh, and we might be tempted uh, to look down on those who don't stick to our rules, even though they're not biblical. Uh, and so Paul says, uh, no, enjoy your freedom as Christians. Uh, but you see, the problem here uh, is that the Corinthians took this freedom to mean they could do anything they wanted. Uh, they said everything is permissible. Uh, and they were tempted to use that freedom to be self-serving. Uh, and so Paul's big message to them uh, in this passage uh, and to us today uh, is, no, 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 it, it's true that you're free as Christians. Uh, you have a wonderful freedom as Christians. But unprincipled freedom isn't what we're called to uh, we, we're called to use our freedom responsibly as Christians. Uh, firstly, in a way which uh, seeks the good of others. Uh, and secondly, in a way which points to God's glory. Uh, so let's have a look at the first one of those principles. Uh, seek the good of others with your freedom. Uh, take a look at verses 23 and 24. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, uh, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Uh, Paul says, don't use your freedom selfishly. Uh, use your freedom for the good of your neighbor, uh, to help them and to build them up. Uh, and so Paul uh, gives them another practical example of what that's going to look like uh, in practice. It's there in verse 27. This time, uh, rather than going to the meat market, uh, they've been invited round for dinner uh, with an unbeliever. And uh, for a Jew in those days, it would have been uh, very unusual to eat with a Gentile, an un-Jew. Uh, but to eat with a Gentile uh, and to eat meat that wasn't kosher, well, that was uh, totally unthinkable. But Paul says to them, go along. Uh, and rather than turning your nose up at the meat that you've been offered, uh, that's put in front of you, verse 27 says, uh, eat whatever is put before you uh, without raising a question uh, on the ground of conscience. Which makes sense, doesn't it? Because if we went around to someone's house for dinner uh, and then just turned our nose up at the food and said, I'm not eating that, it'd be pretty offensive, wouldn't it? Uh, and that's unlikely to win you an opportunity uh, to speak of the gospel, is it? And that's what Paul uh, emphasizes in verse 32. Uh, he says, don't offend people for no reason. Uh, try to please them, uh, not for your own advantage, uh, but so that they might be saved. Uh, that is what uh, should be on our heart as we meet with unbelievers at work uh, or go for dinner with them. Uh, how can we please them in a way which, which might open up the doors uh, to them being saved uh, and us being able to speak of the gospel? But the example continues, doesn't it? Paul says we shouldn't seek to please people uh, to the extent uh, that we're not willing to stand up for Christ uh, or speak for him, uh, even if it might offend. Uh, do you see it there in verse 28? Uh, Paul says this, if you go to a, an unbeliever's house uh, and they give you food, 
uh, and they specifically uh, say this has been offered to idols in sacrifice, uh, then you're not to eat it. Uh, because in this in- instance, uh, they're making a point of it, aren't they? Uh, and they're possibly even seeking to test you. Uh, and so Paul says, uh, avoid the appearance of having compromised your faith in Christ. Uh, don't eat the meat. And although it doesn't say it here, it's surely an opportunity for them to be really clear uh, that they don't take part in idol worship anymore, uh, that they're serious about their faith, and it's a chance to talk of Jesus. Uh, because Paul says elsewhere, uh, make the most of every opportunity to speak of Jesus uh, and always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I think this dinner party example is really helpful uh, for us as Christians uh, because we're often tempted to go uh, one of two ways. Uh, the first way is legalism, uh, where we, uh, we think that by keeping rules, we'll earn our way uh, into God's good books. Uh, and we're tempted to even add things that God hasn't actually said. Uh, and the other way is uh, licentiousness. Um, don't worry if you haven't heard of that word. Uh, it just means thinking that we're free to do anything we want uh, as Christians or, or not being willing to say no to things. Uh, and the root of both of those things is wanting to put ourselves first rather than seeking the good of others. Uh, you see, on the one hand, the, the legalist goes for dinner and uh, Uh, As soon as the food's brought out, they turn it down. They think, well, I can't eat that. Uh, And they're more concerned about their own reputation uh, than uh, loving the person who's cooking dinner for them. Uh, And maybe that's us. uh, If we try to avoid getting involved with people who uh, we think are living in a sinful way, uh, or if we're quick to judge others. Uh, But on the other hand, uh, many of us would go around, uh, eat the food, say, well, we're free to to eat anything as Christians. Uh, But even if they proudly told us uh, that it was sacrifice to idols, uh, we wouldn't say anything. Uh, We're not willing to speak out or say no or make a stand for Christ. So to go back uh, to that example of Lois from the start, uh, her friends have invited her over. Uh, They say their, their aim is to get totally hammered. Uh, Should Lois go? What do you think? Well, I think Paul's dinner example actually speaks directly into that situation. Uh, Just like the Corinthians are free to eat meat sacrificed to idols uh, when they go around someone's house, uh, we're free to go to parties uh, where some people are getting drunk, um, as long as we don't join them in getting drunk. Although, if we're tempted to drink too much, then it's probably wise uh, not to go. Uh, But if we can control ourselves, uh, the best thing uh, is for us to go around and get to know others uh, and have a chance to build a relationship with them and maybe have a chance to speak of Jesus. Uh, But in Lois's case, her friend has specifically uh, told her that the aim of the evening is to get hammered. And so just like Paul encouraged the the Corinthians to say uh, no when their friend specifically states that the meat has been offered to idols, uh, I think Paul would encourage Lois to say I can't take part in that because I'm a Christian. You see, we shouldn't be naive as to think that if we attend a function uh, where people are essentially celebrating ungodly actions, uh, that people will see our distinctiveness and our godliness uh, as Christians, uh, the godliness that we're aiming to pursue. Uh, And so for Lois, saying no in that situation is probably the best witness to Jesus. Uh, It might make people think, uh, wait a minute, uh, this girl... Uh, really believes uh, what, um, um, her faith, um, her faith and, and um, Christianity. Uh, and so what's this all about? 
Uh, that very thing uh, happened to me when I was working at Procter & Gamble. Uh, lots of people knew I was a Christian. Uh, but at a party uh, with some colleagues, uh, somehow, I can't remember quite how, but it came out that uh, I wasn't sleeping with my girlfriend. Uh, and it was like the penny dropped. Uh, and people suddenly realized that my faith actually meant something for me, uh, to me. It wasn't just me going to church on a Sunday. And uh, whilst I got a fair bit of ribbing for it, uh, I also noticed that I got more serious questions from people after that and genuine interest. And so in these chapters on food sacrifice to idols, uh, chapters 8 to 10, uh, Paul calls us to a radically different attitude to our freedom. Uh, and he gives us a fantastic summary of it uh, in chapter 10, verse 30 to 31. Have a look. He says, rather than asserting uh, our Christian freedoms for our own advantage, uh, f- um, for the sake of both Christians and non-Christians, uh, Paul is willing to give up his rights Uh, in order to serve others and bring glory to God. You see, sometimes we need to make it clear that that there are things that we won't do as Christians. Why? Uh, Well, in verse 31, Paul summarizes everything he's been saying in the last few chapters. uh, And he says, whatever you do, uh, do all of it to the glory of God. That's our third principle. Uh, As we make decisions, our overriding concern uh, should be can... Uh, we do this for the glory of God. If we're unsure about something, that's the question to ask. Can we do it to the glory of God? Uh, I guess uh, in practice, it can be quite hard to know what that looks like. Uh, and so uh, this flow chart that's coming up on the screen might be quite helpful in making decisions. Uh, and let's use that example of Steve uh, from the start. Um, should he take that job up in Edinburgh that he's been offered? Uh, The first thing to ask, uh, if we're unsure, uh, is uh, up there. Uh, Does the Bible allow this? Uh, If not, then don't do it. But for Steve, uh, there's no direct command, is there? Uh, And so the next helpful question to ask is, uh, does my conscience allow it? Uh, For example, we might know deep down uh, that we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Uh, We're not doing it to glorify God. Uh, And if that's the case, then we shouldn't do it. Uh, But Steve's conscience is happy Uh, although in our culture which is moving away from God uh, it's easy to override our conscience and so we do need to make sure we really carefully listen to it and test it against what the Bible says Uh, but thirdly if our conscience does allow it uh, here are three further questions uh, which might be helpful some Christians call call them the G test Uh, firstly uh, what will be the effect on my spiritual growth Uh, secondly will it be for the good of others Uh, And thirdly, can I do this for the glory of God? Uh, Those are principles that are in this passage, aren't they? Uh, So for Steve, uh, what will be the effect on his spiritual growth? Uh, He knows that uh, on the one hand, uh, there's a good church to get stuck into in Edinburgh. um, uh, But on the other hand, uh, the hours they seem to do in that office up in Edinburgh are going to mean that it's really difficult uh, to do much outside of church on a Sunday. Uh, Next, would it be uh, for the good of others? Uh, well, actually, uh, most of his old uh, university friends uh, who aren't believers live up in Edinburgh, and so it could be a good chance to, uh, to make contact with them again and, and maybe have a chance to point them to Jesus. Uh, and the higher salary might enable him to uh, support a church plant up there or something. Uh, but on the flip side, his kids are, are really stuck into um, uh, um, youth groups at St. Joseph's, and they're really benefiting from that. Uh, and they're growing in their faith, uh, and his wife really values her Christian friendships here at St. Joseph's. Uh, so thirdly, can, can he do it for the glory of God? Uh, well, maybe Steve knows that uh, he is generous with money, 
uh, but he can easily make an idol of his career. Uh, And as Paul says in verse 14, he needs to flee from idolatry uh, if if he's going to glorify God. Uh, But there might not be uh, a clear answer in some of these gray areas, uh, and that's okay. Uh, You see, God gives us freedom to make choices, uh, and we're to prayerfully consider our choices in light of these principles here. Uh, Maybe consult some wise Christian friends, uh, and then just make a choice and get on with serving God uh, in that area. Uh, The important thing is that we're genuinely seeking to, to follow God in the decisions that we make. Uh, now, in some ways, uh, following these principles uh, move seems quite straightforward. Just go down the flowchart. Uh, but in reality, uh, this is incredibly challenging, isn't it? Uh, Paul is saying, uh, rather than putting ourselves first, uh, we're to restrict our freedom for the good of others. Uh, and whatever we do, every decision we make, uh, whether big or small, uh, we're to do it for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but uh, I find that a huge challenge I wonder how many decisions uh, you've made uh, this year or just this week uh, where you've put yourself first rather than others uh, or you've not sought um, God's glory in those decisions. Uh, Well, thankfully, uh, there's one man who made every decision perfectly. Uh, That's why Paul says in chapter 11, verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Uh, That's our fourth principle, imitate Christ. In that reading uh, that we had from John's gospel earlier, uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem. Uh, He's at the point uh, where he has to make the decision as to whether he's going to go to the cross. And as the son of God, he certainly has the power to get out of that situation, doesn't he? Uh, But here's what Jesus says. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Uh, Jesus went to the cross uh, for the sake of God's glory, uh, and he went to the cross for you and me. Uh, For all those times uh, when we haven't chosen to put God first in our decisions, Uh, and because Jesus made that choice, uh, we have freedom from sin and death, and we have the hope of heaven. Uh, and so as we make decisions in this life, uh, whether it's the, uh, the little decisions like when we get up in the morning, whether we're going to look at our phone uh, or read the Bible, uh, or the big decisions like what are we going to do with our lives, um, let's imitate Christ. Uh, let's say, I'm going to make this decision uh, for the glory of God. Uh, let's say, Father, glorify your name. Well, I don't know whether there's particular decisions that have uh, come to mind uh, as we've been talking about this, uh, but why don't we just take a moment to, uh, to pray and think over uh, decisions we've got to make this week, or maybe big decisions this year, uh, and pray that we would be willing to uh, seek God uh, in those decisions. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, thank you so much that Jesus Jesus chose to say glorify your name and went to the cross. And we pray that you'd help us 
to do the same in the decisions that we make and say glorify your name uh, this week and this coming year. Amen.